Hello, hello, my fellow sovereigns. I am so excited to be here with you on another special guest episode with Fernando Flores, a fellow certified high performance coach, attorney, I am not an attorney, author, lecturer, podcaster, and international speaker. Fernando is the founder of Health and Wellness University, LLC, and he is an expert in the areas of occupational burnout and emotional intelligence. Fernando has spoken on these topics across the U.S. as well as internationally in Mexico and India, and he is passionate about helping others reach optimal levels of health and wellness. When he was 12 years old, Fernando was hit by a car that broke his femur in half and sent him to the hospital for 29 days. As a result, he learned early on in his life the importance of staying healthy, but he let go of his health and wellness while he pursued his career as an attorney. After a couple years and a couple of his family members passed away from heart disease, he decided to return to what he always knew to be true. Health is truly the most powerful form of wealth. Fernando spent six weeks in India and attended powerful sessions that advanced his training that focused on the self. Through the Health and Wellness University podcast, which I was blessed to be a guest on, live events and coaching, Fernando helps others live happier, healthier lifestyles. One of my favorite parts about this episode was health is such a powerful topic for me, especially after losing my dad. And this episode was actually recorded before my dad even got sick. And yet still the principles reign true. Because health is not just about health is not just about the body. It's not just about the physical body. And this is something that um, my on a personal note, my mom and I have had a lot more discussions about when my dad was sick and the months leading up to him getting COVID, he was not in a peak mental state. He actually had a lot of repressed guilt. And it's interesting that now circling back and listening to this episode as we prepared it for release, that in this episode we talked a lot about guilt and the principles are so glaringly true because I lived through them and I saw it and I saw how you can reshape your relationship with guilt or you can choose to not. But when you can open your heart to really feeling, and, and that's also the beauty of, of why I loved having Fernando on, because we're very used to feeling open and comfortable with open feeling women, but open feeling men, allowing for men to have feelings just as much as women do, allowing for men to feel guilt and allowing for the, the space where they can feel as well. And Fernando is does such a expert job at connecting on the feeling level with emotional intelligence and and mastery. It's it's beautiful to listen to and experience. He and I just had after every conversation we've had, we've been like, oh my gosh, that was a wonderful connection that we had. And it's because it was true and real and emotional, but not in the way that sometimes we define emotions to be. Sometimes we expect emotions or this term of being emotional means that it's all over the place. And that's not necessarily true. You can go through the pulse of different emotions at different gradients, just like a color has different shades. And so we dive into really understanding the undercurrent of emotions in this episode and how they play such a vital role in your overall health especially in a time of like this pandemic when people are feeling so much fear 
um, in certain parts of the world and then in other parts of the world where they're not? And how do you allow for the space to have other people experience their truth, their emotional truth, even if you are not in that similar emotional space? We also dive into the emotions of productivity and the emotions of procrastination. So for my doers who love to do, this is going to be a powerful episode for you because there is an emotion to getting shit done, and I will let you know that. And we dive into how you can really use your emotions as a great productivity tool should you choose to wield that weapon wisely. So we share all about that, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say, what you learned from Fernando Flores. I learned so much from this episode and just from being in his presence and from communicating and connecting with him. So I I know you will as well. And with that, I give you Fernando Flores. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life. Body, business, bank account, boys and babies. Let's make it rain. Fernando, thank you so much for coming to the show. I'm so excited for to dive into our conversation today. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. And I, you know, I love your energy. You know, you bring it in every episode and I'm excited to to partake and share in some of that energy. So let's do this. Let's do it. So Fernando, because you founded Health and Wellness University, what what have you been seeing in the current societal culture is really the pressing needs for what we should be focusing on with health and wellness? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a wonderful question to start with, to be honest. And um, uh, honestly, I think I think the the biggest uh, issues that are really taking front and center in a way that they haven't before are mental health issues. You know, people feeling really stressed because work for many didn't stop, and then for some of us, work did stop, and yeah. we're not working. Either way, it's a very stressful situation, right? the lines for those who have continued working have been blurred in terms of when we start working and when we end our day, right? We're on, we're zooming it throughout the day into the evening. And then aside from that, there's been like additional pressures that have been, um, that have come up as a result of living through, through a pandemic, right? Um, concerns about the well-being of our family members, uh, whether they're elderly or they're particularly prone to be becoming really ill if they were to get, you know, um, you know, ill. And then in addition, you know, if, if uh, there's any parents listening, which I'm sure there are, um, you know, having to, you know, really take care of, of uh, the educational component of, of, uh, of our children and being a teacher on top of that. And so you, you, you have all these different roles that we're playing now 
and on top of that, just really trying to take care of ourselves has become really difficult. And so I think mental health and managing stress and not becoming burnt out has, I feel really taking, taking front and center and um, really being compassionate to ourselves has become difficult and being accepting and loving ourselves has also been a challenge because you know, with all these different things, we might not be able to balance it all. And we feel like we're not enough. And we don't give that love and acceptance that we that we maybe did before where we felt we had everything under control, right? Um, and, and probably if we're honest with ourselves, we really had those days back then too, when we didn't feel like we had anything under control. But I think now by being in the close quarters, it's really highlighted like when something feels out of control it's not like you can just like go to a restaurant and take some time to blow off steam in in certain places yeah no i i think i think that's exactly right you know i think we've been dealing with a stressed out society for for a while but you're right it's become more prominent that's what i've seen at least in terms of the um the most immediate and pressing needs yeah and i just I think about it because this morning I, I never watch the news, but it's kind of just on when I'm at the gym mm -hmm. and I saw that Melbourne, where, in, where I am in Australia, I mean, I'm not in Melbourne, I'm in the Gold Coast, but Melbourne just opened up after six months of being locked down. And I have some friends in Melbourne and they were joking and calling it lockdown Melbourne. Like they haven't been able to leave their home, like period, except for very much essentials. And I just, it was just the struggle of what so many people are going through. I saw one woman who whose son is in another state. And I just started crying because yeah. just the idea that you'd be separated and locked down and apart from your family for so long without it. Like I, I go a week without seeing my son. I went a week without seeing him back in January when I went to a conference and I was like, I, I was so excited to come home to, to just hold him. I can't imagine after six months and, and just the growth. And so so how do we how do we manage all of these emotions that go into into life as it is right now? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, and first of all, I mean, thank you for sharing that that story. I think that's something that resonates with a lot of folks. It resonates with me as you were telling it, you know, because I went to visit my family back in December and into the new year, and we had a wonderful time. You know, I got to see my wife's side of the family. I got to see my family, uh, be with my parents, hold my parents. And it's, you know, it's been 10 months that I've seen them in person. And, you know, it's, it's concerning, right? Because on the one hand, I, I want to see them. I want to share presence with them. I want to be present, you know, with them. But at the same time, I don't want to, you know, travel and then, you know, something potentially happens. I just don't don't want to be the source of that. And so I'm taking a very cautious approach. And something that's helped me is to think of this long term. You know, yes, we are on a lockdown. We've been on lockdown for months, but this is a long term, you know, uh, uh, just kind of strategy where we'll do this for some time so that I can have many more decades with them, you know? And that's really helped me just kind of um, get over the, the pandemic fatigue that is very real and that is happening uh, um, extensively right now, actually. And so with your question related to how do we process the emotions, I think we cannot manage what we cannot see. 
So, you know, one of the things that I tell folks is like, look, at the end of the day, what is stress? Stress is a reaction to a perceived threat, right? Or a perceived challenge, you know, or an actual threat, or an actual challenge, right? How do we tend to respond to that? We either fight, you know, fight or flight are the common ones. But a lot of times we also freeze, you know, we get into the space of feeling very overwhelmed and we might not do anything because we just feel it's just too heavy for us to handle, right? And a lot of times that stress becomes unmanaged just because we're so busy. That's at the end of the day, what leads to occupational burnout and, um, and just burnout in general. And so the way that we have to learn how to manage these, these particular emotions is understanding how and when they show up within us. And a question I'd love to ask is, why do I feel what I feel when I feel it? And it's kind of like a three-part question, actually. You know, and what is it that I'm feeling? Start with that. Identify what the emotion is. Identify how is it showing up in your body? You know, is it like, you know, neck tension, lower back tension? Is it headaches? You know, your body's alerting you with the physical responses that are coming up. And you got to pay attention to that, right? I remember- Oh, when, so true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I, and also, I mean, your, your subconscious mind, it runs your body. And so when, when an emotion comes up, there are different points in your body where our body, our body kind of takes it as a, it takes everything literally in the way. And so like the lower back I've found directly correlates with support and feeling supported. I had one client who, um, she was constantly, she, she injured her back and she was kind of prolonging the injury because the injury allowed her husband to step up and suddenly she was getting all this extra support and she kept on saying oh my back is still hurting and I was like is it really like let's is is it that or are you in actually enjoying the fact that you're actually getting the support because her her back she threw out her back in a moment in a in a situation when she wasn't feeling supported by her husband and she started to see him step up and suddenly her back started to improve, but she didn't want it to improve because she was want, she was loving being supported. And it was, it was such an interesting paradigm of working through actually, instead of it resulting in lower back pain and her having this, um, her having this pain and this desire to be supported show up, it showed up as um, us deciding to have, have her have a co courageous conversation with her husband about how she needed him to step up more around the house and how she needed more of his support, not just when she's injured. And her back probably improved after that conversation. And it did improve after that. <laughs> and and she, she literally said, and it happened again like a year later. And she said, oh my gosh, all I did, Kim, was ask him to support me. And suddenly she said within a day, the back pain was gone. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, 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 it happens to so many of us, but we don't always have make time or have the self-awareness you know develop i know there were many years uh, you know in addition to being a high performance coach i'm an attorney by training there were many years where i didn't have the self-awareness of why is it that two weeks before a trial my eyes just starts twitching and i'm just like no it's not a big thing whatever i'm disregarding it you know no big deal i was really stressed and that's how my body was showing me like oh my gosh like we are freaking out a little bit. We got trial coming up and my eye would just twitch. And it's so funny because like so many other people have a similar response. I've done like, 
you know, a lot of like presentations with regards to stress management and managing our emotions. Because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is emotional intelligence, emotional awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And so people are like, yeah, me too. Like I'm an, I, I'm an eye twitcher too, <laughs> you know? And, but it shows up in different ways. And so for me, I'm a rash girl. Like I suddenly get like a, like a rash. Like I remember when I, I was first starting building my business and I was, it was not going well. And it was like, it was so obvious it wasn't going well that it was showing up on my body that I was stuck in what I call now productive procrastination, where you're doing all the things except the one thing that actually grows a business, which is making sales. <laughs> you know, and I, I love that you mentioned that because um, procrastination, it, it, can be, it can be stressful as well. And I used to work, you know, I've worked with a lot of clients um, who had to write a lot, okay? And they would literally sit for hours in front of the computer, but not write a single thing. Like, that's wow. frustrating and that's stressful. And what would happen in their minds are like, well, I'm just not good at managing my time. I'm not good at calendaring this. I'm like, no, no, no. If you've gotten to this level, you're very good at managing your time. You're very good at calendaring. But what's happening is there's a certain set of emotions that you haven't necessarily paid attention to that are stymieing your ability to be productive, right? Your ability. What emotions have you seen that to be in in your practice? And then I'll share what I've noticed it to be. Yeah, no. uh, Okay. So with respect to procrastination specifically, Mm -hmm. the emotions that I've seen come up that will limit somebody's productivity are either on the one spectrum, you're completely bored. This task is so boring that I cannot even engage in it right now, right? To at the other end, this task is so difficult that you're nervous, you're frustrated. You, you have maybe some self-doubt and insecurity about engaging in this task. And then sometimes you're procrastinating maybe because you're depressed, right? Mm-hmm. You're going through some either mild or deep depression and it's very difficult to engage in that task. And maybe some other emotions are also... Uh, you know, if, if a boss, this has happened before I've seen this, has mistreated you in some way or has directed something at you in some way, you feel resentful, that emotion also comes up quite a bit. Resentment and yep. procrastination as well. So those are some, some of the ones that I've seen. Yeah, resentment was definitely what prevented me from um, really yeah. going forward in my business. It wasn't until I, I got pregnant that I was like, can't be resentful anymore. I got to make this work. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I found with, with procrastination, it's specifically guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. It's um, those, those are the two big ones of repressed guilt and repressed shame. Um, and because it's, it's that guilt, it's, it's procrastination. It's kind of like you're, it's a perception is projection thing. So you're feeling guilty that you're not getting this done. And this, if you still have that guilt inside of you, it's still growing that guilt. So the procrastination just feeds into that identity of guilt that makes you wait even longer because it makes you feel even more guilty. So it fe- it's constantly feeding that dog, as I say, the, mm-hmm. the, the dog of guilt. Whereas if you instead forgiveness... I found is, is a powerful tool for procrastination, forgave yourself for the past, forgave those resentments, forgave yourself for the, the, the stuff of whatever, whatever it is. High achievers, as you know, are like super skilled at blaming themselves. So I was, and 
the, um, that, that practice of forgiveness, it actually helps to relieve and let go of some of that guilt. So the procrastination isn't as prolific. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And I think, I think that's, uh, something that definitely comes up a lot. And I think honestly, with anyone experiencing procrastination, there is some level of guilt. There's some level of shame. And, you know, I like how you, you said it, you know, the, the dog of guilt. Well, you know, it could be a cute little puppy, right? Or it could be a really mean dog. And it's just really, you know, perception is reality, right? We're talking about perception. Yeah. How you perceive guilt is also important. You know, the relationship that you have with, with guilt. I've reshaped my relationship with guilt. You know, before it was like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling super guilty. And it was like, I would really beat myself down because I didn't get that done, you know, in a particular time frame that I had set for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I just learned to reshape it. Like, why am I feeling guilty? And really, what is this emotion of guilt? You know what? There's a certain set of values that I have decided to live by, which is I want to show up for my team. I want to be there, you know, in an empowered way. And I, I want to be able to, to accomplish what I say I will accomplish by the time that I accomplish. There's nothing bad with that. But what's happened is instead of walking that path, I just... I strayed a little bit and I'm walking a different path and guilt is an emotion that I use now to help me alert me that, Hey, you know what? I need to go back to this path and that's okay. And I stopped beating myself up about that. And I just have a much more positive relationship with guilt and shame. And it's like, it, it requires a lot of forgiveness every day. And even of the little things, right? Because mm -hmm. how we do everything, anything is how we do everything. If we can't, yeah, it's those little breaches of integrity. Yeah. So yeah, that's just some additional thoughts around guilt. I, I love that of, of reshaping and reframing your relationship with the emotion because everything in life is a relationship and, and the, the emotions, we have a relationship with those too. And I love how you said that that dog could be a really cute little fluffy, friendly puppy that, you know, it's, it's there with you. It's, it's, it's there to bark when, when there's something to be aware of, but it doesn't have to be a terrifying monster that you're scared is going to actually like devour you potentially it's not like some gnarly some gnarly like street fighting dog so it comes down to really having that that relationship of of forgiveness and compassion and using the emotions is from what I'm hearing it's you're using the emotions as a tool and as a signal instead of as part of your identity 100%, 100%. That's exactly what I'm doing. And like I, I, like I was telling you earlier, like we cannot manage what we cannot see. Mm -hmm. and the beautiful thing is like, I lived with a closed heart for a very long time growing up. You know, I was told um, as a young kid, like, Hey, don't cry. Like, you know, like, like, you know, little boys don't cry a lot of boys yeah so, and, and and don't do you know don't 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 uh show emotions right don't get angry at me you know and so there was a limitation imposed on me of what i was able to feel what i was able to express and when you grow up with that you know it becomes difficult to really be tempered and and what I mean by that is be tempered in how you express your emotions mm -hmm. and how you respond to the emotions that come up. Right. And we are all, you know, even as folks are listening to, you know, the podcast, this episode, we're all experiencing some emotions. Some of you might be really interested. I'm like, Oh my gosh, 
you know, like Kim and Fernando are going at it with emotions. It's so exciting. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> like, wow, you know, or, okay, you know, who is this guy? You know, like, all right, I'm somewhat interested. Regardless, whether you're excited or somewhat interested, you are feeling something. And whether you realize it or not, you're feeling something. And we're all, there's this undercurrent of emotions that we're all exchanging every single moment of every single day. And you have the power to choose what emotions you want to feel throughout the day. For me, like people tell me like, oh my gosh, you know, you became an attorney. Like you're the first one in your family to do so. You know what? Like, yeah, I became a coach, right? Like all these things I launched, I, I founded Health and Wellness University. Okay, I, I'm, I'm happy about those accomplishments, but my biggest accomplishments have been to love and accept myself unconditionally and to release the levels of irritation, irritability, frustration, and patience that I used to experience and I didn't even know why sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And just really uh, learn to use emotions as a tool to guide me. And when we look at it at the, at the other spectrum of procrastination, what do we have? We have productivity. So when you are able to work through procrastination, you also, in you know, I recommend that you also learn to ride the positive waves. And I don't want to say that there's some emotions that are positive or negative. I've moved away from that. There's some emotions that are challenging for us to experiencing, and then there's some that bring us joy, right? And so when you have emotions that bring you joy, when you're productive, what do you feel? You feel hopeful, you feel pride, you feel motivation, self-esteem boost up, self-confidence, excitement, encouraged. It's like, holy moly, there's so many, you know, emotions that are bringing you joy when you're so productive. You're, you know, you're just like bopping because you got through a wonderful day of productivity. Use that to harness that energy for your next day and your next project. And then the next day and the next project. And that is a powerful way of using our emotions as well. You know, on the, on the, on the, spectrum where you know it brings us joy what are the three emotions can where that are the most difficult for us to feel love joy excitement yeah and it's so funny because i mean i look at my son and he's three and and i so like pretty much daily i see him bouncing and bounding down the street he's like hopping and he's like and i just said like I turned to my husband the other day. I said, what if we all, like, could you imagine if we all as human beings walked down the street with that much joy and that much excitement and that much zest for life? Like people, like people would look at, at adults doing that and be like, oh, that's crazy. Something's wrong with them. Are you, are they on something? Like, do they need to be medicated? Cause there's this like this perception of neutrality that we have to have as adults. Whereas instead of allowing ourselves to experience the entire rainbow of emotion. And I think it's because, especially in, in those conditioning years, there have been emotions that are deemed appropriate and those that are not deemed appropriate. I mean, for me as, as a young girl, like my anger, cause I like, if you want to get me angry, show me hypocrisy. Like that is the biggest thing that will just set me off real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, it, it's a trigger that I still work on to this day. And I've developed a lot more compassion for it, but still it's like, that is one thing that just gets me. And it got me as a young kid. And I remember like my anger being deemed inappropriate and, and unwarranted. And I was like, actually, I feel like, you know, being righteously angry is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty appropriate and warranted at this hypocrisy. Um, 
but there were certain, and so then on top of that anger, I had shame then stacked onto it that I shouldn't feel this or I shouldn't be this way. And I think that, you know, that that's, we have these natural abilities to feel the whole wealth and, and width and breadth of the, of, of the emotional rainbow. And yet it's like, we're trying to pinpoint this spot that that's how we should feel at all times. Yeah. And, you know, and I do want to caveat what I'm saying is, you know, by, by letting folks know that, look, I'm, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not preaching perfection in any way, shape or form, but I am, I am, you know, uh, I'm talking about progress in, in, in small, smart, steady steps, you know, over a prolonged period of time is really what effectuates some really powerful change. And that was my journey, right? I was patient yeah. with myself because there were times where I'd go back and I was like impatient and frustrated and irritable, but then I was more attentive to like, oh, I get really irritable when I don't eat, you know, like, and I'm hungry and that's just, that's just me. So what can I do about that? Eat, you know, and, and make sure that, you know, I, I, I take care of my needs, you know, instead of just plowing through and working some more while I'm hungry, just stop, be compassionate, go eat so that you're not going through your day in a, an emotional state that is bringing you down, you know? Yeah. And that's such a powerful testament to knowing the things that can uplift your energy, that can uplift that vibration on, on the emotional scale. So what are some other things that we could do um, that besides, you know, eating a proper meal, <laughs> like yeah. to, to really enhance that, that energy when you catch yourself in a lower in a lower vibrational negative state. Okay, so um, I, I want I want I want folks I want to go go deep because I think this yeah, is really important. Yeah. You've taken me there, so that this is really great. So, um, emotional granularity is essential, and you've kind of brought up an example already. Um, and you're like, hey, my righteous anger. Yeah. There's actually like ten different types of anger, right? Like the anger that you experience when you are cut, you know, somebody cuts you off in the freeway. Uh, you know, and over here in California, we experience that a lot. And so, you know, <laughs> we're in the world, but over here, that's an example that, you know, um, applies in, you know, you get upset, you, you get bothered, right? It's very different than the righteous anger as a result of, you know, an injustice, you know, an injustice that you, that you have seen happen that you don't agree with. Your body will respond in very different ways to manage each of those angers. Right. And so becoming really granular about what you are experiencing is essential to then be able to engage our process of emotional regulation. Okay. Which, which, um, it, you know, it, it, it then it's, it, you're getting into things like, okay, right now, not only am I feeling upset, I'm feeling, uh, and, and you mentioned a really great example. You said righteous anger along with shame because. In expressing my anger, I was taught to, you know, uh, that that wasn't appropriate. That wasn't an appropriate showing for mm -hmm. someone like me to express that particular emotion. And actually, a for lot an eight-year-old girl dressed in a princess dress, normally. <laughs> you know? and, and so, but you know what's funny? Like a lot of women have a tough time. They have a tough relationship with anger. Mm -hmm. So when there's no expression of it, it stays repressed. And that becomes really painful over time. 
And so, um, you know, one of the, the, the ways um, I've worked with clients on this, get a pillow and yell into it when you're really pissed off, just ah, let it out because your body just needs to let that out, you know, um, in a healthy way, in a healthy way, in a healthy, safe environment where you are free from judgment. So like for, for me at my home back in Los Angeles, we have a giant, um, uh, kick, kick, uh, boxing, uh, what do you call them? Punching bag. So we have a giant one. So yeah, there were a few times where if I get angry, like I will just like, I would be like beeline for the garage and I will just go to town on that bag because it's, it's in a healthy expression and it's in a safe environment. And I used to do a lot of unhealthy expressions when Mm -hmm. I was experiencing stress, I would drink a lot, you know, like I didn't know how to manage stress. I did not know how to work through stress. Right. And so what would I do? I would try to just suppress those emotions that were challenging and I would do it by drinking. It was like the quickest, easiest thing that I could do. And then also, you know, um, the profession that I'm in, there's just a lot of that. And so, you know, every week there was a happy hour. It was, you know, very accessible. We were all stressed. We all don't know how to manage it. So what do we do? Just go and drink, you know, and, and it's, it's, um, uh, finding a healthy outlet. It's, it's essential, right? Yeah. From, for me, it was bulimia for 10 years. So that, that was what I had to merge out of and, and le- learn and understand my emotions because that was my way of dealing with stress and anger. And if you think about what bulimia is and it, it's, it's, a, like, suppre- it's a suppression of you're like consuming all this food and then you release it. Well, that's basically what emotions are. It's like, especially when you bottle them up, you like consume it all and then spew it out. And the problem is, is that if it, if we repress it and suppress it enough so that it comes out in those little spurts where it's just enough, it's almost like releasing the pressure on um, a can of soda, like, or a bottle of soda. And you're just like, you shake it, shake it, shake it. And then you just slightly twist the cap. So it only explodes a little bit, but it doesn't completely knock the cap off. Um, So it releases some of the pressure, but it's still, you still have foamy soda inside the bottle or kombucha because I don't drink soda, but. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, and and I think um, we can all find ways, and this takes a lot of experimentation because I also have learned in working with a lot of professionals who are in very fast paced, high stress, you know, very pressured work environments that, you know, meditation may not necessarily work for everybody at the beginning. And it becomes more stressful to try to meditate when you have so many things to do. And so, you know, I learned to meet people where they are and say, okay, let's try this breathing exercise. Let's just breathe. Let's see if that works for you. And that works for some folks. It's not having to work through, okay, okay, you can't just sit and sit still, tap into your silence, into your empowered spirit. Okay, that's okay. You know, you don't need to do all that right now. But yeah, for, for some, it just doesn't work. I mean, if you had told me to do that when I was 18 years old or like 20 years old, when I was in my process of, hand, of dealing with bulimia, like I could not sit still, period. Mm-hmm. And that's for, that's for a multitude of different reasons from like the gut, issue gut to brain issues and whatnot um by messing up my parasystalis but like like i i would have meditation i was just like yeah i don't meditate there's no way but running 
running was my form of meditation. That changed the game for me when suddenly I had this movement and this breath and I had the, the intensity of the breath to let that stuff out so that it almost became a cathartic release for me. And, you know, I actually use running extensively as well and um, long nature hikes. So, you know, you know, for me, I also had the experience where I just went like all in and I did like too much of it. Like, and so I learned to pace myself. I was born in July, my signs of cancer. I'm like all in or all out. And so I've learned over the years to be balanced, you know, and, and in, in the things that I do and how I, I see things. And um, I've actually, another important thing is learn to love the journey of self-introspection, self-exploration and self-acceptance and self-love. Like if you're able to do that, God, you're just gonna enjoy the journey so much more and you're gonna be able to be like, dang, I was ticked off yesterday, wasn't I? Like, I was really ticked off about that. Gosh, you know, like, yeah. all right, that's where I was, you know, like, um, I'm not perfect. I'm going to do better. And that's okay. You know what I mean? It's just like you, you, you take yourself like in a different way. You're more positive toward yourself. And that really, at the end of the day, emotional intelligence, it, it helps you become self-aware. But really one of the main goals is, is to improve your relationship with yourself and with your loved ones, you know, and those that you work with those who you love you know um and i think that's like one of the the most amazing benefits of it um and you know just to to go back like running works for some folks meditation works for other folks breathing works for some folks yoga works great for some folks yoga doesn't work for me but it works for so many people you know like find what works for you and go all in on that when you need it just go to that and then after you found one thing, find another and then find another and build a repertoire of things that allow you to recenter. So I have a variety of meditations, guided meditations that help me, but they don't work for other folks. You know, I love running and I love, you know, going on nat long nature hikes. And I also, um, you know, therapy as well. It's, it's really important. It's a really important self-care piece for me, especially it's been during this pandemic. Um, you know, and a lot of times we don't talk about that. And you know what? Yes, I may be a high performance coach, but I also need my own support. I cannot serve others at high levels if I don't take care of myself at high levels. And so, so you know, in, in how you serve yourself is a real representation of how you are able to serve others. So I, I just try to like just, hug myself and love myself every day. And, you know, like it's, it, that is a revolution in and of itself, Kim. And you know that, you know? <laughs> oh, I, I love that you called it a revolution because it absolutely is like, that's why when, um, when I, I had a bit of a disagreement with, with the uh, eating disorder community a, a few years back um, when I was doing some nonprofit work, and it was because there was this perception of like always being in recovery. And I was like, the idea of me going back to that old identity is so foreign to me. Like, I don't even recognize that girl from 15 years ago. I don't like, I, I see her and I just want to give her a big giant hug, but I don't even like, 
I think that it's, it, you don't always have to be in recovery. Cause that to me sounds like, that to me sounds like you, there's a chance and a possibility of slipping back. And for me, it's more, it's a transformation. It's that, that power of completely transforming your identity so that when you do, it's like, it's like a revolution, like that old government ain't in charge anymore. It ain't dictating your brain. It isn't dictating your body. It's a totally new system form of government that you have established within yourself that is that you are governing yourself with. And it's, and it, it works on a totally different level. So I love the fact that you use that term revolution for sure. So what, oh, go ahead. I was just going to mention it's, and it's, it's part of nature. Like a butterfly doesn't go back into its cocoon. A snake doesn't go back into the skin that it's shed, you know, like it's just our own development, our own growth, you know, Um, you know, we honor what we've shed. We honor those past versions of ourselves. We show them love. We show them acceptance too, because they need it. Right. But it doesn't mean that we always have to live from there. You know, so I I, I tend to agree with you on that, Kim. Yeah. And I, I think with that, with that ability to transform, how, how can we transform the environment that we're living in when we're in that space of stress, mm. when we're in that space of overwhelm? It may not be possible in that particular moment to change the external environment Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're having, I'll use an example, okay, if you're having an argument with your partner, and your partner's upset, and you're upset, right, it may not be possible to change the fact that your partner, you know, is, you know, in the living room upset. But what you can do is say, wait, wait a minute, I need to take a pause. I need to take a break, because these very difficult emotions of righteous anger, feeling mad, feeling upset, you know, any one of those is tough to feel, but you're feeling them all at the same time. And you feel it because it's like, you're short of breath. You're like, you're breathing faster. And you know, because the emotions are showing up, right? Your eyes are dilated. Eyes are dilating, right? Yep. And so and, and you feel a little bit warmer. And you, now you're, you're, you're seeing yourself experiencing the emotion at that point. Own it. And just take a pause, take a pause from that particular place and space. And I can share this from a very personal level because, you know, when my partner and I were working through our own emotional growth, it was tough. It was like, wait, what? You want to pause right now? Like we're having a conversation that is incredibly important. We need to have this right now. Otherwise it's never going to happen. And then I'm not going to want to talk to you. And like, it just keeps going. And it's like a pause is healthy because it allows you to go work through those difficult emotions that have come up and then come back and be able to have a conversation with respect, with love, with understanding, with compassion, right? And if, if at this point you're not able to do that, that's okay. You know, try your very best, but we developed the iPods. Things are flaring up, iPods. I just, I just need, I'm taking a time out for myself and I'm letting you know, it's not about you. It's an I pause. And we use it. We use that all the time. 
And it's very effective. I highly recommend it because then I go to another place of the house and I go back to my repertoire of things that help me work through that particular emotion, right? And then I'm able to, after some time, 15, 30, 45, an hour, um, come back and say, hey, do you want to connect? And that's an important piece. You got to come back. It doesn't mean you avoid it for days and days and days because, you know, the other person's also, you know, waiting for some level of closure, right? And it doesn't mean that you have to rush through your process so that, oh my gosh, I want the other person to feel closure because if you're an empath, you know, then you're going to be concerned about the fact that the other person doesn't have closure as well, right? And so being able to just kind of work through what you need to work through and then having a conversation prior to these, you know, tense situations about, hey, let's implement something where we signal to each other that I need to take a break because otherwise things are going to get disrespectful. Things are going to go to a place where we might say things that we regret and we both don't want that. So can we honor some form of I pause and know that it's not about you, that it's just me learning to work through the difficult emotions that are coming up. So that's one example that you can do to just change your environment. Not like, oh my gosh, I'm walking away, whatever, you know, like, no. Yeah, yeah. not like I'm done, peace out. No, it's, it's, it's very much like I need to, I need to separate myself from this. And I've, I've done this um, in my relationships. Like I, and, and when it, when it hasn't worked is when past partners have not allowed me to leave the room. Then, 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 then the, it has to be a mutual respect of knowing that each partner, that if you choose to leave the room, it's not a personal thing. But the problem is, is if you, if you don't let that person leave the room to process, then it's control. And then, and, and for me, control is the base. I, 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 somebody else trying to control me, I will rebel and fight like, like hell to get, to get out. And it, that was, that was a process. It took my mom 18 years to learn that she goes, Oh, I didn't know when you really want, said you wanted to meet like to me to leave that you actually wanted me to leave. And I was like, yes, I really wanted you to leave. So yeah. it's, 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 a, it's powerful to learn to listen to people and take it for what they're saying. And I mean, I have to learn this as a parent myself is like with, with my son of like, when he says something, I'm like, I just want to let you know, this is what you're saying to me. And so this is what the result's going to be. So if you say, leave me alone, I can leave you alone. Um, it seems to me like you're feeling these emotions and actually want comfort. Um, but if that's not what you want, then I'm okay to leave. Mm -hmm. And having those conversations, then he's three. So <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is a process and it is something, because especially from that parenting perspective, like, like, I get it now why my mom would never leave the room because like, it's like, but I, I, I just, I want you to feel better. I want you to process it. And it's, it's still allowing, allowing the children to uh, your children or your partner or anyone to honor that process. Yeah. You know, and, and that's probably one of the hardest things, right? To see our, our little ones going through a difficult emotion or, or our, our partners or our parents and we're having a conversation and they're experiencing something difficult and you can see and you're trying to be there for them. But I've also learned to respect 
the process that others have developed for themselves to work through what they need through or not work through what they need to. Because there's a lot of family members that I have that uh, don't know how to manage certain emotions. They misdirect them. And to be honest with you, if I, I think that if, if your listeners take anything, being able, like LinkedIn, okay? You know, like the social platform, okay, LinkedIn, they came out with the top five, what they call soft skills. Emotional intelligence was the fifth one. For the first time, it like made it on there, right? And um, a lot of it, it has to do because of what we are going through in society. We're going through a lot more uh, awareness consciously, just conscious awakenings that you know we're having in various different areas of society. And using the right emotion in the right way, directed at the right person at the right time in the right degree, that is by far the hardest thing that you will ever learn. And I'm still learning how to do that, you know, but I love the journey. I love the journey of becoming just a little bit better every day and learning from, you know, my mistakes and learning from, oh, I did that pretty good. I'm proud of myself. And I pat myself on the back and then, you know, I, I keep going. And so uh, it's not a soft skill. It's a very hard skill, you know. It's, it's it is a skill set for sure. And one that does, you know, just like any other skill set needs to be trained and practiced. Yeah, no, and, and the wonderful thing, you know, about, you know, emotional intelligence is that it's something that you can grow. It's something that you can continue to learn more about yourself. It's kind of like um, you're exploring your caves, you know? And for me as a coach, I'm very, very just kind of, uh, aware that it's hard sometimes for folks to shine a flashlight into caves they haven't necessarily been to before or maybe they've been there but it's hard to go back to them you know and you know it's it's really honoring folks where they are and where they want to go and um just you know it's gonna be it's gonna it's not gonna be easy this 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 path is I've learned the, you know, one of the things that, that people say they want to do, but it's hard for them to actually like engage in it. Oh, it, it took me like three years in acting school. And I went to, and I think that this one exercise, I went, I studied Meisner acting from um, 17 to 21, maybe a little longer than that, maybe a little longer than three years. So, but that in Meisner acting, the begin the basis of it is you're standing and you're basically doing you're just noticing the other person so you just you just breathe and you're getting into that rapport just like with coaching and then you notice something on the other person like you're wearing a blue shirt and then they repeat it and so you start this exercise of repetition until something emotionally stirs where you notice something else or you sound a little angry or you sound a little frustrated or you sound a little annoyed or you sound happy and 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 it's that constant back and forth dance of picking up the subtle cues of somebody else of another human that you're in, on stage with and and being able to see hear and feel not just in like listening to the words but listening to their physiology listening to the tonality of their voice listening to the actual words that they're using and how they're using them 
and and all of the using all of those emotional cues to then pick up and identify what it what you think it is that they're feeling what they think it is that you're feeling and it, it escalates and it's a powerful exercise that has actually works so well in coaching so i'm curious do you have any other exercises that really allow to train that emotional awareness of what people are going through um, it's a lot of questions, okay? And a lot of it is you already have an extensive set of experiences that you can use to analyze, that you can use to examine, that you can use to learn and grow from, right? Even in the past days, in the past weeks, in the past months, there's a wealth of experiences that you've had that you can look back on and then ask, oh, I remember when I got really upset. You can sit down and ask, okay, what was I feeling? Why was I feeling that? And what was the environment under which that emotion arose? When you identify the emotion, the environment, and the why, the why really tends to be the most important one. Oh, because it's a trigger for me. Okay, go deep. Why is that a trigger for you, right? And, and go deep, right? There's, there's, a, there's an exercise, you've probably heard of it, it's seven levels deep, right? Um, you can go seven levels deep and ask, okay, you know, okay, so, so why did that come up? And then just keep asking why, right? So that you can really get to the core of why you may really be experiencing. On the outside, it might be like, why was I procrastinating so much? Oh, well, maybe this was my calendar. No, like what else? I think it was because of this. And again, just keep digging. It's like, oh, I'm resentful. I'm actually pissed off at that person. I wanted to rebel and not do the work for them. You know what I mean? And it's like, it, when you dig deep, You'll, you'll come across some answers that I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so how can I better manage that next time, right? How can I, you know, in some ways, I was kind of shooting myself in the foot, right? Like that, that, that was an important task that I needed to get done and I was rebelling. And so how can I manage that uh, resentment in a better way so that it doesn't turn into rebellion in that particular moment? Because I really do need to accomplish that task. Now that I'm able to, look at that uh, particular experience in a more neutral, centered way, grounded way, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, try to do things better in this way and then create a plan. So you're bringing awareness about past experiences to the present, analyzing them in a centered, neutral way, and then create a plan of how you can do it better. That's one strategy. Um, another strategy is also asking, what are the emotions that are the most difficult for you to experience? Start making a list. What are the emotions that you love experiencing? You know, um, you know, for some people, um, the feeling of that runner's high. You 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 finish a run and you just pause and you look yonder and it's like you're just so present and you feel the endorphins, you know, and it's just like oh, and you love that feeling. You know what I mean? And it's like. Um, you know, how, how can you foster some of those feelings? Not just to, as an outlet, but to thrive, because the goal isn't for us just to survive, it's for us to thrive. So, and there's only so much running that you can do. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think those, those are some additional questions that you can ask yourself. Um, and then also connect with your partner. This is a really, really, it can be a challenging um, 
exercise, but I highly recommend it. Um, and keep an eye on the emotions that may come up in the context of the conversation. Um, and basically is uh, start, stop, more, less. Yep. Mm -hmm. Ask a partner, ask a friend, ask a family member. What is something that I can start doing that you know you would appreciate? What is something that I can stop doing that you know you, you don't necessarily appreciate that I do? Uh, what is something that I am doing that I can do more of? What is something that I am doing that in your opinion, I can do less of? And just listening. It doesn't mean that you have to change everything in your whole being, who you are for the person, but just listening and managing any emotions that may come up because some of the stuff that you might hear might be difficult, right? And some of it might be very positive. A lot of emotions will come up managing yourself and listening. It's a really powerful exercise in and of itself because of that. But then also you're going to get a lot of information. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that I was doing that well. Wow, yeah. that brings me joy when I do that. Let me do a little more of that. So then you start implementing some things that you hadn't thought about implementing that will foster that joy, that excitement, that love, that zest for life that your little one has. And why not, right? And so I think that's a really powerful exercise too. Especially when you run like with your arms waving and it's basically <laughs> skipping, like you just, you, you can't not feel joy. Like you can't do that and not, and be frowning. You just can't, <laughs> it's not possible. Right. And I think, I think one of the beautiful things that you mentioned um, is, is something of coming together with your partner on that. It's something that one of our other guests talked about, Mike Cameron, um, he taught, he mentioned raw spots. Mm. And this was something that came up recently with my husband and I, as we were, Having, having just a, a miscommunication that just, it, it just was challenging. And suddenly like it had been, it, it was a similar conversation that had happened a few times. And I was like, wow, why does that hit me so deeply? And I just kept thinking about it. And it, and I realized it hit such a, a raw spot for me from, from some of my uh, childhood experiences that, 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 um, that when I came to him, I, I shared it with him. I said, oh, this was totally triggering because this is, this is very similar to this pattern that I witnessed um, growing up. Um, and he was like, oh, now, now I understand. He's like, now I get why, because I couldn't quite put my finger on it or feel like I had the right words, but it was because I was able to see, show, expose that raw spot within myself that he was able to see that raw spot and be like, oh, I see, I see where I stepped on that landmine. And so it, it, it opened up the conversation. It wasn't that he was doing something wrong. It was that he didn't know that was a really, really raw spot for me. And that, and that experience of being emotionally in tune and also having that, that vulnerability to be wrong, that vulnerability to make a mistake. I think that's, I, cause I love the, the more or less, and, and what I could see would be kind of the headbutt in, in that exercise would be the desire to be right of like, oh, you're saying I have to do this? Wait, have I not been right all along? Like, have I been doing things wrong? And this, it's this, this desire to be right and this fear of being wrong that we have as humans. 
and instead allowing for these questions to be more for our exploration and growth. That's what I've loved about our conversation, Fernando, is you've used the word exploration like five times. And, and it's, it's such a beautiful word because it's, it's like you're studying yourself from not in the, in the present moment of, of being in your body, but almost from a disassociated state of being like, oh, there's like an anthropologist, like, oh, there's, there's that behavior that I'm doing again. There's that thing. Okay. Let's, let's explore that instead of it being ingrained as a part of your identity. And when it's a part of your identity, there's a fear of, of being wrong about who you have been. And, and there's a, an important distinction that you draw there. Um, like me, who I am in my core, I've developed a lot of affirmations around that. You know, I am a centered, confident, loving, genuine person who helps others believe in themselves and inspires them to live with reckless passion. That's oh, I I'm love that. I love that, Fernando. Can you say that again? Yeah, I am a centered, grounded, loving, genuine, authentic person who helps others believe in themselves and inspires them to live with reckless passion. That's that's who I am at my core. You know what I mean, Kim? Amazing. I love that reckless passion. Oh, that is just such good, like it is chewy verbiage. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, you know, it took me, it took me months to come to that, you know, realization of who I am at my core. And it then took me more time to live it out, mm. right? Because you can realize it, but fear can overtake and you'll never live it out. And so for me, it was being authentic also about living who I was. And so I, I, you know, when I step into a certain situation that is challenging, that is, that is difficult, you know, I've learned to separate the behavior from that core. That core, it's, it's always there. But sometimes I'm going to trip up, Kim. Sometimes I'm going to step into it, you know, and it's okay. Like, I am, I'm, I'm way, 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 way better than I was before. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to say, you know, I, I started drinking when I was 18 years old. I went off to college and, you know, I was drinking then. And when I turned 36, halfway through my life, I decided no more, no mas. I can experiencing the challenging emotions. I don't need alcohol as a way of suppressing them, as a way of drowning my heart and numbing it. I can feel it all now and I own that and I don't need to drink anymore. And since May of last year, 2019, I haven't drank and it's, it's awesome, you know, and I've experienced very difficult emotions and there've been times where I thought like, man, drink would be nice right now, but my values have changed and therefore I live, you know, with, with, uh, with an, a deep honor of those values. So, yeah. A testament to the power of values and congratulations on a year. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And it just, it also goes to show that, that values can change because values is something that I definitely work with a lot of my business clients on, on mm -hmm. establishing inside of their entity of their business of really consciously bringing values into the lifeblood of their business and the value, how values they're not good or bad. It's not a morality thing. It's, it's a, it's a choice. Sometimes our values are so subconscious though, that we're not aware that we're operating by certain values. Like for me, I, one of my values back when I was younger, um, was definitely, um, 
attention. And so I would do what I could to get that attention to, and sometimes that meant drama. Sometimes that meant, you know, being in a stage play and having it be a really healthy ex exhibit of attention, but I would do what I could to get that validation to get external validation and, and attention in a positive way. Even if it was attention in a negative way, I was still feeding that value. Now my values have shifted so radically that my value is ownership. And I would much rather own my truth than, than get that external attention ever. Um, just because that ownership is of, of who I am and of how I'm showing up is so key. So it, sh it just completely pivoted, but it took like 15 years. <laughs> it, took, it took time. And so I think there's definitely something to be said for honoring that process, which you've talked about today. Um, and, and so when you're on this journey, when you're, when you're in the thick of that process and you're coming against that little, that obstacle that is in the way, <laughs> how do we best honor that obstacle and move through it instead of like dumping it or, or trying to ignore it or turning around entirely? How do we, how do we honor that obstacle? Yeah. You know, as you were asking the question, I was like, oh, I know where Kim is going. And I took a deep breath. I don't know if you saw that. I like, I just felt it in that moment. I was like, Ooh, that's an area where I know I stumbled in the past and where a lot of folks continue to stumble and continue to need a lot of support. And, um, there will be challenges. There will be, you know, experiences that, that don't look the way that you expect them to, or the way that you thought like, Oh yeah, like I'm just going to engage in this path. And then, by next month, I'll be, you know, just great, you know, no. And then, and then sometimes it shows up uglier than it has ever shown up before. And the emotions can be really difficult at times to, to work through. But I think, I think there's a distinction between self-love and self-acceptance, right? And, you know, we, we can, we can love ourselves. We can say, oh, you know, like, you know, I, I, I love, I love who I am. And, you know, I love me, right? But we can still reject aspects of ourselves and not fully and unconditionally accept ourselves. That can happen. And I've seen it happen. People say, yeah, no, you know, I, I, love, I love who I've become. Yeah, but do you accept all of who you are, right? Like you love the fact that you've made it to this level of, you know, of a professional, uh, you know, um, height right this 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 level of professionalism and you've achieved these goals but who you are do you accept yourself right and i think um knowing that uh no one is perfect everybody's going through something if someone is being consistent and you know doing the same thing you know that's also a sign that maybe they're working, trying to work through or haven't worked through something deeper, you know, and being compassionate in those situations. Um, and then also being real with yourself, you know, in terms of like, okay, who, who am I? And is this what I want for myself? And then answering that question genuinely, you know, um, I think is, is also really important. And um, so I think self-love, self-acceptance, and compassion, self-compassion, and deepening that um, 
forgiving yourself as we talked about earlier and then improving your relationship with guilt and shame is I think are all things that can help you in those challenging moments and then finding a way a healthy outlet that will allow you to create space in those challenging moments I think it's essential we, we don't always do that. And we feel we just have to keep going, keep going, keep going. And we got to stay in it until like, hopefully it ends. And then it just blows up and becomes something more than it is where if somebody just had to, hey, you know, and you mentioned the control, right? And that's unhealthy control. Yeah. Right? Just control. It's very unhealthy control. I think all those things in combination, you just have to, be nimble and you have to bring them into play as they become necessary and know that it's not one set way of like working through this situation, you know, and um, the way that you work through a situation in the past might look different to how you work through it in the future, because it might be slightly different, even though in the same context, it might be slightly different. And the example that you provided, you know, you know, your, your, your partner didn't know, your husband didn't know, like, that you were going through that and then he was stepping on a line mine, sometimes the partner that is experiencing also doesn't know it. And there might be some time that's needed for them to explore and understand that. And even yeah, I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know it was a landmine until I until I dug into it and we'd had some space for me to process of like, why is this bothering me so much? Why is this so deeply? cutting me in a way and it, it was just because it was just opening up that raw spot and I didn't even know that it was one but I knew that like normally if something is not releasing like and and both my husband and I have you know our coaching background so we know that if something's not releasing then it's normally something that's pretty darn deep and so we're able to to walk through that together and create that space so that we can connect after and and have that that conversation from a place of of love and understanding and of like oh guess what we learned something about each other today <laughs> like and that's and that's the beauty of it is, is when you can approach a relationship when with that with that joy and that excitement for the learning and the growth and ideally that you learn and grow together and, and we, we signal each other too when we're about to be vulnerable and open because even now there's fear that comes up with opening up and being really vulnerable. And so we've learned to nurture the space that we've created to be vulnerable. And because when somebody opens up, you know, and if it's not received, what happens is you lose some level of trust. You lose because you don't feel safe expressing, you know, this very difficult and vulnerable thing. And so if you, if you learn to nurture a safe and loving and caring space of vulnerability, that is really powerful. Even within yourself, you can do that, you know? And I've learned to do that, as I, as I mentioned to you, I changed the relationship with a lot of emotions. And hey, all emotions are welcome. All emotions are welcome, okay? We're gonna be vulnerable with one another and we might not be feeling joy and excitement and love right now. We're feeling a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, that's okay. What do you have, you know, to teach me right now? I'll have conversations with myself about that. Like, wow, I am really pissed off right now. Like, all right, what's going on? You know, like, like what, what is going on? I'll just work through it so that I don't misdirect that. You know, yeah. I, I used to misdirect it. 
I'll, I'll level with the audience. I used to misdirect it, but it's about learning about yourself as deeply as possible so that, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, I've, I've loved the journey. I embraced the journey and it just allowed me to live a much more fulfilled life. That's all I, I can say with respect to I, I love that. Fernando, I have loved our conversation so much. We definitely talked about some of my favorite things on the planet to talk about. Oh, cool. yeah. So I would love to get into a little bit of rapid fire. Are you ready? Sure, I'm ready. Who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? Um, you know, um, she's, she's not a, a fictional character. You know, I, I, I recently, a few months ago, uh, over the summer, I read, uh, talking about vulnerability, Lila Saad's book that was about uh, me and white supremacy. And it was a very open and vulnerable and deep book about her experience as a black woman and just the things that she's gone through. And I mean, she put so much just care and nuanced, you know, thought about like her emotions. And I learned so much, you know? And so I guess that, that character of the young black girl that she was and, and, the, and the young black woman that she was, I felt that was a really powerful, um, just real character that, I, that to this day really resonates with me and who, who taught me a lot from her vulnerability. What was the name of the book? Uh, me and White Supremacy. Me and White Supremacy. Okay, we'll leave a link for that in the, in the description below because that's definitely one that I'm adding to my reading list. Powerful. What woman would you want to trade places with just for a day? Michelle Obama. Cool. Why? Um, I would want to. Uh, I read her book last year, and she also talks a lot about the. You know, there's there's no there's no book for being a first lady. You know, there's there's no there's no there's no book for that, and so for me, just wanting to to be more understanding of her perspective and just kind of how she she lives her life from that place of authenticity and realness um man that would just be a beautiful gift i love that i haven't read her book yet so we'll leave a link to that in the description and adding that to the reading list as well cool. what what do you think would what do you think we need to be seeing more in the media in regards to male characters that are being portrayed. Male characters who are open and vulnerable about their emotions. It's not there. Yeah, it's not there. I haven't seen it yet. Like I've seen it a little bit, but the- um, Men who cry. Yeah, I've, see, I've seen a lot of the, the perception of like the, the dolt dad who doesn't know who just like arrived on earth apparently and doesn't know how to take care of his kids and it's like i i hate that that depiction because i think that a lot of men are incredibly intelligent and incredibly capable and emotional and vulnerable and, and beautiful and they have just as many emotions as as women do and it's just not portrayed um and like my son loves 
all the princess movies of like the strong women and he's always like oh that's mama but I'm like I would love (laughs) PC's frozen oh that's mama oh (laughs) Mrs. Incredible that's mama like but I like I would love for him to see that that same vulnerability that same power in in a male role model I mean he has that in in my husband but like to see it on screen, to see it as, as, as normal, as normalized and, and the ability for, for guys to, to cry and experience that. I think that that's something I would love to see more in the media. I agree. Um, what, if, if your palace had a swear jar, how much money would you have to put in it every single day? Um, how much per swear? It depends on how much you would charge yourself. Okay, I would charge myself, let's see, I'd charge myself uh, 10 bucks, okay? And then each day, probably between 30 to 50 bucks. How would you reinvest that money at the end of the week? All right. So we're talking about uh, 120, 150. Half of it would go into, I would do half of it would go into, you know, some form of my, my, my business growth into health and wellness university, something that will help, uh, you know, grow the, the message of what Health and Wellness University is about. Uh, and then I would do the other half. I would just give to others. I love giving, so. Awesome, my, I love that. If you were to have- use, What? Put my swearing to positive use. <laughs> Amen, amen. Or you could say, F yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, if, if you were to have your success at twice the speed, what would you have done differently? Honestly? not worried too much about creating this long, extensive business plan, accepting that it was gonna be okay, even if I failed. Being less fearful of fear. I feel that's something that would have fast-tracked me more. So much, yeah, same here. (laughs) (laughs) Year and a half delaying because of fear. So I had to kick that fear off my throne and claim it so what would you consider to be your kingdom your domain my inner centered self my my serenity within and lastly how do you crown yourself embracing loving and accepting myself every day beautiful fernando where can we find you how can we work with you how can we support health and wellness university and how can we get a little bit more a little less burnout and a little bit more joy and peace and love in our lives kim this has been amazing honestly i really appreciate you know just the opportunity and folks can just go to healthandwellness.university. There's no .com, it's just healthandwellness.university. Um, you have all the information on the website there for the, the podcast, for the Health and Wellness University podcast, uh, the online health and wellness global events. Uh, you know, we're having folks from all over the world. The theme of our next online health and wellness conference is the self. We are gonna be getting into self-love, self-acceptance, We have somebody speaking on self-sabotage. Sometimes when we are stepping into that success, we will sabotage ourselves. And so we're going to talk about that. We're not leaving anything about the self out. And we're talking about self-empowerment. I'm going to be speaking at it to co-presenting with a really awesome person. So go to healthandwellness.university and that's where you can find me. You can, you know, email us from there, email my team and 
we will uh, reach out to you. You know, if you're you're trying to get into a space of becoming more heart-centered because we're too mindset occupied or you are heart-centered, you know, reach out. And if you want to connect, collaborate, work together, grow together, love together, like just reach out. That's where you can find us. Awesome. As always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now. Till next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crown yourself now, or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.